Hello and welcome to the Colts Cover 2 Podcast Combine Edition. Uh, you can see from our backgrounds that Nate and I are at different places inside the Indiana Convention Center. Uh, we talked to Chris Ballard today. We did not talk to Shane Steichen. He is sick, um, like really sick, so he, he stayed home today. Uh, Chris Ballard, though, did speak. Um, let's we'll just we'll just try to this is kind of like a first impressions thing we just got done writing so we haven't talked to him we haven't like had a chance to fully digest everything we'll just uh i think we'll just start with you know like what what was your biggest takeaway from from what ballard said in in two sessions he does the one that's that you guys i think can find on the on the combine website but he also does a one by himself uh with the local media uh, kind of away from the the national guys yeah, I mean, I think there were two kind of big I don't know, headlines or takeaways out of out of what Chris Ballard was talking about today. Uh, I'll let you kind of you wrote about the other one, so I'll let you kind of touch on that. But I was I was really interested by where when he said that he, like last year, has a certain position that he wants to draft in the first round. And last year we knew it was quarterback; it had to be quarterback. Uh, <laughs> it was less about if he wanted to do that; it was just like the whole franchise had to do that. This year, it's interesting to be in that same spot because uh, I don't know. You you could see them you make arguments for a few different positions that they could go after that they need. Um, they're balancing it obviously with free agency. Um, so obviously, uh, he's thought this out and has a plan for free agency. Maybe that'll tip us off to where he's going to eventually go into the draft. But it was just interesting to to have the number fifteen pick where you you know unlike last year, you don't really get to plan it out quite the same way. Uh, to have one position like that is interesting. And I think you can make a couple of cases, whether that's, I'm not sure if that's DB or pass catcher. I honestly could see that go either way. I, I kind of, if I had to guess, I actually kind of lean that it's pass catcher um, just because maybe this is just the way I've been thinking about it. He may, he may not look at it this way, but um, they've, you know, they've, they had su- such a young secondary last year. And so to, to draft one in the first round, I don't think, solves that now i know you've mentioned they could sign one and draft once so maybe, maybe that that does it but um to me it just feels like they were i don't know when, when you talk about supporting anthony richardson taking the next step it felt like with with their their one pass catcher away they're they're kind of one guy other than michael pittman jr and josh downs uh that that can really be a, a chess piece for anthony richardson and for for shane steichen um, Brock Bowers, of course, we brought him up, and, and um, that may be the position tight end. Uh, the problem with that is it's only, you know, it's only one. There's only one guy like that. If he's not there at 15, I don't know how they could just pick the next tight end just to do it. So, pass catcher maybe maybe a more general way to do it. But it just got me thinking that that's a. It's interesting that the start of the combine um, to already kind of have that that process laid out in his mind. He he had well I. I think that he generally has a – at the end of the season, he generally has an idea of what he wants to improve in the team. Um, th- that's the part that doesn't narrow it down, though, because he said explosives on both sides of the ball. That was his that was his target area in January. Um, it doesn't – so that doesn't help. It doesn't narrow it down the way you'd, you'd like it to. Um, he had an interesting answer about the wide receiver position today. And I was asking about just kind of the thing that we've talked about over and over again, which is that they had three receivers play an enormous amount of the snaps and just kind of talking about how can you count on all those guys to be healthy all season again. And there was, there was some Ashton Doolin love in there. I know we've got some, there's some, there's an Ashton Doolin hive out there. 
Um, but but he also said that beyond dueling, you know, he needs to do a better job of, of not having. He said rotation. He said we had kind of, kind of a rotation going through there. I know what he means because like, Juan Winfrey had his moment, had his like stretch of time as the the extra wide receiver. DJ Montgomery did. Depending on how you want to classify Isaiah McKenzie, you could make a case that he had some time there. Um, but Ballard, Ballard essentially said, like, he basically said, I, I can't really call it, call it up right now, the, the exact quote, but he basically said, like, that wasn't good enough, which is we all know is true. I mean, if you had a better receiver, most times teams play four receivers. They don't play three. Um, and they, they basically played three all season. DJ Montgomery led the – was fourth in snaps with 124. Like they they've got to add at that position, high or not. Tight end. His answer on tight end. What did you think of his answer on tight end? Let's let's put it that way. I'm curious. Yeah, I was curious. Uh, I was going to ask it if someone else didn't because we talked to the last last podcast. It's one position I didn't really have a sense for where he was at with it, and. Uh, I, I I don't know. I felt like he played that one very safe. Like he didn't really want to give too much of an indication of where they are at tight end. Um, I don't know. It was interesting to me because he keeps bringing up Juju Brent's injury concerns as clearly front of mind to him. But to me, Jelani Woods is in that exact same camp, if not even further into it, because it's kind of been two years for him. I, I guess he played 15 games his rookie year, but it felt like late into that season, heading into the next year, it's been a run like that. I mean, he mentioned that like this coaching staff doesn't really even know what to think of Jelani Woods, but they, as a front office, as a franchise, have a lot of hope for his upside and potential. But I don't know. It was he seemed to not. Uh, he seemed a little. I don't know. Dodgy is the right word. He just didn't get as in depth on that as the other positions, which is kind of why I was starting to think that that might be. Maybe that's the position they're looking at to take in the first round. Is you know, ever since pretty much since Jack Doyle retired, they have not been able to do much at that position. Drafted two guys two years ago, and one of those, Jelani Woods, is dealing with the injuries, and one of them, Drew Ogletree, is you know is is in legal issues, and we don't know if he'll be back here or what. So, I don't know. I just I I wanted more of an answer on that one, uh, to be honest with you. Well, and to your point about Woods, like he he mentioned that he wasn't around, but. With Brent's, there's sort of been like a, I don't know, it's, it's, it was just framed a little bit differently. With yeah. Brent, it was framed as more of like a wait and see, whereas like it was almost framed positively with Woods. Like, hey, we still think that this guy can be a, a difference maker. I think at the Pittsburgh game, for sure, and some of the red zone stuff as a rookie, you understand why they feel that way. Um, it's Tight end is a weird spot, and this is something I've been trying to get at Um a lot and Ballard liked the question. He ended up kind of turning it to defensive back a little bit on me. Um, but like you mentioned, they drafted Ogletree, they drafted Woods last year, they drafted Will Mallory. Uh, three years ago, they drafted Kylan Granson. Like, there's a lot of picks there, and they don't have that elite tight end that's definitively yet. What did he say to like that answer? He said, like, you're always trying to add competition. But the, the what I was trying to get the gist of, and which I, I think he maybe kind of sidestepped a little bit, is what if you're not adding competition? Like if you draft Brack Bowers, you're not adding competition. If you draft yeah. Brock Bowers, you're drafting a starter. Yeah. 
Um, and that's kind of what I was trying to get at more was like, are you willing to push some of these other guys down to get the guy you want? He, he said the hard thing to do is to find the blocker. That's fine. That's another kind of like deflection. Um, because like the obvious answer is if you look at Shane Sykin's history is that, you know, he's always prior to last year, he's kind of always had like a bell cow tight end. Um, you can read that a lot of ways. I think if you if you want to read it this way, you could read it as he knows there's only one tight end and he wants Bowers to get to the 15th pick, and so he's trying to obscure his intentions. Um, you could read it, but the other thing is, like, if you want to read it as Ballard's going to roll with what he has and say, I like our young guys and like, like our young talent based on his history, I can't talk you out of that <laughs> based on his history. So... Yeah, and it's both of those might be true to be honest with you, because it could just come down to whether Bowers is there. Like it's right. a weird position this year where it's like there isn't just this next guy that you know that, that's right after Bowers that you would just take if he's not there. They may just be like, Well, we want to take Bowers, he wasn't available, so we're not gonna force it. And they at that point they probably do like some of the guys they have better than what else is there in the draft after Bowers. So I did find it interesting because I think he started that answer by saying, like, no, we don't have, you know, a guy like Travis Kelsey or these superstar tight ends. And it's like, well, there's one guy in the draft that they talk about maybe being that guy. So and 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 here's the thing. Here's the thing. Ballard is smart enough to know why people are asking about tight ends. Yeah. He knows. Yeah, he knows. Um but also like at this point. What's the point of declaring your hand with the first round pick though? Like, so the way the question was framed was, do you know what position you'd like to have? I, it's hard to know this at that right now, but you'd, you'd have to tell me like, isn't there a chance that the top three receivers and Bowers are all gone when they get to 15? Oh yeah. Like That's a pretty good chance. Pretty good chance. Like the, the three receivers for, I've heard them say they don't think they're getting to like eight. So those well, if those three—I mean, if it's if three guys are going by eight, that gives that gives the NFL six more picks before the Colts pick to take Bowers away from them. So, like, if if pass catcher is the thing, like, maybe that—I mean, maybe that's why he doesn't want to outline a, a positional need as obviously because if you say that and then you don't take that position, you know. Uh, it's probably also just the fact that like he doesn't prefer to do that anyway, but like if you outline that and then all four, three of those, all four of those guys are off, and those were the guys you had top fifteen grades on, you know, you shouldn't yeah. force it. That's where you could just trade back, which is what he loves to do. Well, the other piece of this is, um, you know, he was asked like, because you have the quarterback, because it's not as obvious, because you have some some. At the very least, you have young pieces who you think could develop in some of these spots. Does that open you up to take the best player available? And he said, well, you always want to do that. But the last couple of drafts have been pretty need-heavy, and it doesn't necessarily have to be this season. Yeah, it's interesting. The last two years, now that I think about it, we knew exactly what position they were drafting in that with that first pick. Because two years ago, it was Alec Pierce. I'm like, we, we knew it was a wide receiver. Like, yeah, we're like, it has to be a wide receiver. Even for a guy that, that – Tends to not invest a lot in that position. We we knew it was going to be wide receiver, and so 
It was just which one. So I don't. Yeah, it's interesting. It's that's why I was just surprised that he said it that way because this felt like a year that was different. That's sort of like you could play it to be like, hey, is the best player a corner? Is it a edge rusher? Like there's where there's ways with this current roster where you could make that like like edge to me like edge rusher is not a position that I'd say like they absolutely have to get like I think they should but like you could talk yourself into what they've got there but like if that's where the best player is they shouldn't pass it up either because everyone needs edge rushers and there's you know have a couple years away before potentially leaving the team so um yeah it was just I don't know it was just interesting it's like it shows you that like there's it tells me what he looked back at last year he thought that there was something really missing with the team that isn't just going to be solved by players getting older, which is interesting because that's often how he does look at some positions. And it's just it's just kind of hard to figure out what that group is. I, like I said, I think tight end is where it seems most likely, but it's that's a weird – it's like Bowers or Bust as far as what well, you would actually – They also are – like unlike, unlike receiver, like in the Pierce year, there's obvious options that they could piece together tight end the way they did last year, you know, like maybe, maybe Will Mallory takes a step forward next year and catches 40 balls. And then, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's, if you don't, if you don't have him, there's maybe other ways to do it. it it's, it's a weird, it's a weird, the defensively, some of the, the questions uh, about like the defensive positions, you know, like, like I, I asked him the way I framed it was, you said that you thought, as as you know, the pass rush had fifty one sacks, but you thought it could be a little better. What what is what goes into that? And the interesting thing was, it wasn't personnel he went to first. Uh, he went to something DeForest Buckner had said at the end of the season, which was teams max protected against them a lot, and they've got to find a better way around that. Around teams being able to max protect, which. I don't know. It was an interesting little dodge on the, like he could have said, he could have said, I think we need to add another body. We're always trying to add, he will say, and has frequently said, I, I'm always looking for, you know, edge rushers um, and, and pass rushers. He didn't really go there. He kind of went to the, the, the schematic piece of it. But then at the same time, uh, he also took my other question about, you know, developing young players and said, like, I didn't think the secondary was just a sieve back there, which like, Make of that what you will. I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. So, um, it it kind of was. I thought it was a sieve. So I yeah. I don't know. He did a good job of. He did a good job of not revealing any intentions. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting. I mean, the the one I did think about it with the edge rusher thing or the pass rush is that there was a little more talk about the schematic approach there and and he was even asked about like moving on from Nate Ollie as a defensive line coach which he's he just said was a Shane Sykin decision but I, it goes to show that like they wanted to do something like use the players they have differently as far as handling some of that stuff with max protect it also makes you think like if teams are max protecting um that means if they're the teams are max protecting they're afraid of the pass rush yeah, they're afraid of the pass rush, and they're trusting just a couple guys to get open, which means if it works like it did in the Texans game, then your secondary kind of was a sieve. Uh, so I don't know. That's and we've gotten his answer on safety. He doesn't. That's like what was interesting 
um, like when he was asked about safety at the end of the year, he said, you know, Julian Blackman played really well and we're not getting enough out of Rodney Thomas, Nick Cross consistently. They wanted something more consistent there. Um, so it's like, it's easy to say like, well, free safety could be a spot they could really look at. He seemed like, I, I feel like we didn't get that clear of an evaluation on like the, on the tight end position, frankly, that's why our, I'm still kind of wondering exactly how they feel about that group. I, I think, I think, you know, the more we talk through this, I think this is like the perfect thing. Um, if you're a Colts fan who uh, loves to run through a bunch of scenarios in, in the draft, because like, I, it's going to, I'll just be, it's going to make the mock draft simulator fun for me, <laughs> you know, yeah. because, because last year it was like, well, they're just going to take a quarterback. It, I didn't really do a whole lot of simulations last year. Um, this makes it pretty fun. Um, the fact that like he could kind of go in a bunch of different directions. I think like the biggest thing is like with that first round pick and this is what he did say. He, he was kind of tongue in cheek, kind of messing with Greg a little bit, but said like, I think it'll be a player that you're going to be talking about on Sundays next year or something like that. The guy that they're going to, the, 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 that they're going to take that, that can be interpreted as a whole bunch of different things. But I, yeah. the one thing it can't, the one thing is like, I think you, you look at that first first round pick as a starter. So, so like, I think, I think the pick is, I think the pick is obviously just what's the best, like who's the best playmaker left. Yeah, on either side of the ball, potentially. Mm -hmm. uh, that's where him saying it's a certain position he wants was just kind of interesting. Because I, I thought he would – I didn't think he would say that. I thought he would say no. <laughs> like, there's a lot of – we want, like – because you always talk about you want, you want great players, you pay great players, you do whatever you can to keep them. Like, they need a few more impact players. But I think he sees a certain area of the team where they need them more than others. And – like I said, you can make a very easy case that that's cornerback because that's where they were weakest last year. Can make but it also, tight end, safety, yeah. make it at all you, those places. You can go all over. You could even you could do it at edge rusher too because like the pass rush was good as a whole, and a lot of that's to force Buckner. And there's sort of like a committee element to the rest of them. And Dio Dangbo in, interior rush was great, but do they have that? You know, like I, I remember a previous conversation you talked about like. You know, would you rather have the – they debate whether – would you rather have, like, that one dominant edge rusher or more of the group, and they've gone with more of the group. It's possible that he's starting to think, hey, we kind of need that one get dude on the edge. I still want have, both. I just want both. Give me both all. Would be, both would be very nice. Like, the, the 2015 Broncos pass rush would be very nice. Great group give effort, but go with a war daddy edge rusher. You know? Yeah. Just give me, give me Vaughn Miller and Demarcus Ware and Malik Jackson and – on and on and on like that Shaq Barrett like I want all the edge rushers <laughs> um, then you can then you protect and still lose so anyway have fun have fun watching the combine the, the, you know and dreaming about whichever position you want most because you yeah. can make a you can make a case no matter what uh, the other big piece of news out of it is just what they're going to do with Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, this this question is now to me I think I'll just say it. I think the I think the ultimate end game here is that Michael Pittman Jr. ends up with a long term extension with the Colts. I don't know when that happens. It could happen in the next week. It could happen in the next couple months. But I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I've I've been feeling that for a while. Uh, you know, it's 
it, to me, it's just it was it just became a question of how they get there. Do they like? And, and I just ultimately think they're going to franchise tag him if I had to guess. And the reason is not is just to extend that negotiating period because what I do know is what Michael Pittman Jr. wants is to see all the, those offers come in. And not that he wants to leave, but he he would love to see just how many situations are out there, how many possibilities, what all the you know the the, the financial offers are. And he's going to shoot for as high as he can go, and he should, and he can, and he will. And so they know that's where he's at. They've had so many conversations. Those two, he was joking about how, like, he has to, like, keep Pittman from coming in his office sometimes. They talk so much. They have a very similar style to very blunt communicators. And so they have a good read for, like, like, like Ballard just knows what the deal is at this point. He knows it's going to be crazy expensive. He knows Pittman's not going to take some big hometown discount or be scared of anything here. And he also feels like he has to, you know, he, today was an acknowledgement of what everyone kind of assumed, I guess, but you, you just hadn't heard Ballard quite basically say that you've got to lock up that kind of guy for Anthony Richardson. Like you just, you can't let him out the door. Yeah. He said he'll be here in September. I, so I think, I think from Pittman's point of view, like, if you get franchise tagged, obviously, like, in, I mean, no team, no other team can negotiate with you. That's true. But what you can wait for are some extra comps. You can wait for, like, the Mike Evans deal. You can wait to see if T. Higgins signs right away or gets traded and signed right away. Yeah, if those guys, if those guys sign for 22, 23, $24 million, it, it lets you ask for more. Um, and so, you know, because right now it's it's there are eight receivers who make more than $23 million, the highest being 30 uh, in average annual value. There are five more guys that make tw- at least 20 And then T. Higgins, because he's already been franchise tagged, will make at least $21 million, or almost close to 22 It's $21.8 million you know, next year. And so that's 14 guys. Well, if you can bump up a couple, you know, a couple of their deals into that 23 range, then I think it's easier for Pittman to maybe ask, maybe maybe get that 23 or 24 that he's probably looking for. So I, I could see them like not being mad about it. Cause I think Michael Pittman understands what the franchise franchise tag means. Uh, I said this before that does not preclude using the, uh, stuff available to, to players who are franchise tagged. Um, but I think he understands what the franchise tag essentially says. I could just, couldn't you see his camp like wanting to be like, Hey, let's, let's see if we can get a couple more comps in here and bump this up. Yeah. I mean, I could, that's the thing is if they use the franchise tag, he I think that's going to be the attitude is like, okay, I'm not going to throw a fit, but I'm also not in a rush. And I like, this is it. it he's not going to feel like cornered by that. And shouldn't because also, even if he has to play out the year on the franchise tag, they could tag him again next year, but the number goes up. And like that number keeps kind of creating this like baseline for him to negotiate from. Like if you tag him, he goes, okay, like that number's, is it 21 million? That's like you can kind of theorize that as becomes the floor. Yeah, it becomes the floor. And so, in a way, it's like it, it gives a little bit of. Uh, security but almost like clarity to the situation um it's not it's not like he wants to just kind of get it settled i mean that's certainly he said that he does not it's not his preference to play on the tag but it's not yeah it's not the same thing as like 
what Jonathan Taylor went through or any running backs with the franchise tag where that just feels like it's just going to like sap away too much of your career. Like Pittman, he's going to get that money kind of no matter what happens. I mean, unless the only way he wouldn't would be if he somehow fell off a cliff this year playing on that tag. But (laughs) that's the last thing he'll be worried about. Like he has a lot of confidence in himself and uh, yeah, he's, it's ready to cash in. It's just, today was just interesting. Like we've, We've all talked through this a million times. Chris Ballard, uh, you know, he's always talked about you pay great players and all that, but we have wondered, like, we haven't seen him invest in a wide receiver yet. He hasn't spent a first-round pick on one, and he hasn't given out a big contract. Now, he hasn't really had those guys available to extend. Uh, T.I. Hilton was, like, getting up there in age by the time he was up for extensions. Uh, But he hasn't gone out there and made that trade that other teams have made to get one so we're kind of waiting to just kind of see will he actually kind of do the thing. And today was kind of his acknowledgement that's like he's going yeah, to you gotta have you gotta have it. You know, I love Pitt and he's that guy. And so, you know, other people can debate everything about is he is he a number one? Well, he is a number one. Is he high in number one? Is he elite? Well, <laughs> he's gonna get paid like it, and, and the Colts know that and they seem willing to be the team that does it. Um I was thinking about this the other day. This is we're gonna. This is gonna be an interlude part of the podcast. That Ballard didn't talk about this. Regardless of how football actually works, like if you look at through the statistics of every NFL team this this um, that played this year, you're not gonna find a lot of teams with three wide receivers with 75 catches. Like that's where we're at in terms of the way people evaluate wide receivers, right? Like no one cares. No one. No one. Like no one believes in players having roles anymore. Yeah, I mean, like I'm just thinking about like the way people talk about Alec Pierce. It's like he's absolutely worthless to uh-oh. the Colts. Whereas, like, whereas, like he's to me, he's the three. Like he's the deep threat three. He has a very clear role on the team. But the way people talk about him is like this guy has been. They talk about him like he's like not contributed to anything in the first two years, and it's like, is that is that the is that the the way we look at it now? It's, you're either a seventy-five catch receiver or nothing. Like, is that the? I don't think that's the way to look at it because it's not the way offenses play out. But that does seem to be the way people look at it. It's like a big disconnect between the way that fans consume it and the way that the teams themselves are going to, you know, grade this stuff like when we talked to Jim Bob Cooter who lay out a lot of this about what he's actually looking for out of these guys in their roles and he'll talk up stuff that will not fit in a box score like you know blocking and spacing and in routes and and on one hand you could say that's you know that's what you would say in the absence of having those stats like that's like a nice way to butter it up but also it's true is that like this is it's an 11 on 11 game with one ball and so it's they're not going to I'm going to have three receivers and a tight end that all catch 75-plus passes next year. They're not. No. And they shouldn't. Like, I don't know. I, I've been thinking about that recently. Just like, like what, what do people want from their passing game? What do they want from targets? Like, Well, this is kind of the thing, too, is like, say Alec Pierce just explodes in production next year. I mean, that'd be great. That's what they hope for. But at a certain level, if he gets to like 75 catches, you're probably disappointed with what Josh Downs comes out with, you know? So then it's like, 
then you're like, oh, he didn't perform as well because his stats weren't as like most, good fluctuate most that way. teams. There's about three spots for guys who catch sixty-ish, sixty-ish and above balls. That's like, yeah. And then the rest of it gets spread around. That's just kind of like just go look through basically every team's team stats last year and look at the individual numbers. That's kind of how it works. The way I, something I was just thinking about is say they do get Brock Bowers and make a lot of dreams come true. Uh, people are not going to love Alec Pierce's stat line next year if they bring that guy into the mix. Even well, if the offense is doing really well. It might hurt downs too. Like, Bowers yeah. is, is a middle-of-the-field guy. Like, you know what I mean? It like, probably that, will. And it probably means they're throwing a little bit more than they would be running, so you're not going to see maybe the best Jonathan Taylor stats. Like, there's if you start looking at other ways of looking at it, like in terms of what's the overall output of the offense, what's the efficiency, um, you know, for Alec Pierce, like there are ways, there are there are numbers that are going to illustrate what he can do as far as, you know, yards per catch. and Yards uh, per catch is a big one. Yards per target. Like, the reason I'm not super down on him the way most people are is that he's averaged 15-plus yards per catch in his first two seasons with with terrible deep ball throwers at quarterback for almost all of it. And like, is that, is that like, it, does that mean make him a starter, like a, a high level starter? No, but it's not, it's not invaluable. Like I said, he's not, he's not Laquan Treadwell. Yeah. Whereas like, we're talking about him, like he's Laquan, like a, give me another like first round pick who like really like legitimately did not produce. Darius Hayward Bay. The, Quentin Johnson had a bad year with the Chargers last year. Like, didn't really catch the ball. Jalen Rager. Like, we're not we're not talking about that. But like, it's like I don't know. It's just a weird way to look at it. Like, I I think I I don't think I'm hiding my um, my thoughts here on this. But like, I know he was a second round pick. But you have you have a second round pick, a second round pick, and a third round pick. Like, one of those guys is not gonna look the same as the others unless you end up with three guys all catching eighty balls. I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, context context matters to his play. It also matters to the investment. Is I think it was the fact that he was the first pick in that draft made it feel like a little bit more of an investment. Yes, it's a second round pick. They also traded back in the second round. Also, pick fifty one though. Like the flip side of that yeah. is like pick fifty one is not a hyper valuable pick. That's the thing. It's not like T Higgins was like pick thirty three. Like. That's a bigger investment. I mean, Michael Pittman was a higher investment. Also, the way it works is like, I think that's the thing, is that because he was a second-round pick and Josh Downs was a third-round pick, you're like, if Josh Downs is outproducing him, then he's underperforming. Well, maybe part of that is that Josh Downs is way outperforming being a third-round pick. Well, yeah. it's not even, for me, it's not even like an underperforming, overperforming thing. Like, he hasn't turned into Jordy Nelson. No one's saying that. But, like, we got we to gotta be able to get somewhere between – He's either catching 90 balls or he's absolutely has zero value to the team at all. Like that just doesn't. Yeah. We got to live in the middle. That's, that's where I'm trying to be on him because I, I do see some of both of it. Like I, I do think there's still questions about how right, versatile but, you get. Yeah, I mean, like, and, you wouldn't pay like when you get to free agency, if, if the averages are 40 catches and 600 yards, um, and you're and you're averaging 15 yards per catch. You're not going to pay him a huge deal. Like you're not going to pay him like starter money and like no one's saying that. It's just it's just like 
he does help the offense. Like it's yeah. not like a, it's not like a, it's not like a, oh my, it's not like, oh, like I said, it's not like a Quentin Johnson situation where you're like, where is he? You know? I don't know. He's not producing. He's not. Maybe he's not producing like Jordy Nelson, but he's also not producing like Jalen Rager. It also, it's like he plays the one style where like he doesn't have the thing he needs to do that production. Like he does not have the big armed quarterback. He just doesn't. Like if it, now next year, if he plays seventeen games with Anthony Richardson, and he's not making big plays. Yeah. If they're if they're, if they're if they're top if they're a top eight offense and explosive pass plays and Pierce is not a big part of it, that's a real big problem. And then you definitely like you're like, okay, we're definitely gonna move on from him. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at with him is I'm like, this year will tell us where he's at. I don't I just don't I'm so intrigued by him. I just I don't know what I can't put a real value on what he is as an NFL player yet because we haven't seen the environment to know one way or the other. So I think anybody out there who's saying like he's you know he's a bust or he's not good at he's not good like i don't know i don't know how you have the tools to be able to say that that just seems based on stats and probably expectations that were probably never that fair i don't even think I, I almost don't even think it's based on stats because like he's got 15 yards per catch on 73 catches i don't have it i don't have the numbers in front of me like he's probably averaging over 500 yards per season right uh, yeah, probably. I should almost certainly averaging more than 500 yards a season. Yeah, I mean, he's at 593 and 514 in his two seasons, so it's 550 yards per season. Like, yeah. I don't know. You could say like, I mean, he's got he scored four touchdowns, so maybe just, it's like the I just need sanity. I need sanity in the discussion. Like, can we I'll talk about that. realistically? Yeah, the part of the, the discussion with him that I'd never understand is when people act like like he drops a lot of passes. I think what do you have two drops? Well, that's right. Yeah, that's wrong. But like, statistically, that's not supportive. They just like that. That's the thing is they it's anecdotal. They hang on like one. He had a drop in a preseason game on a gorgeous throw from Anthony Richardson. <laughs> like a play that didn't even count. Like that. Like I don't know. It just seems like I honestly just think the fan base is a little harder on receivers here because the ones they're used to, I mean, you grow up with Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne and T Y Hilton and every guy's got to be that because I I've just felt obviously it's there with Pierce, but like a lot of the Pittman discourse for a long time has been like, I don't think fair either. Like I don't think people are realizing he's well, going to get picked <laughs> like a top 10 receiver. Well, I mean like, I, I just typed this out. I just figured this out and typed this out. So, like, the last three years, he's averaged 98.7 catches and 1,053 yards per season. Yeah. With seven starting quarterbacks. That's, 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 I'm sorry. That's good production. There's, there's no way around it. Like, maybe it doesn't look the way you want it to do, way it to look. Maybe it's not like, I, I, 98 points, 98, 99 catches and 1,053 yards is, for three seasons in a row is good. It's just good. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, especially when you factor in his durability and the fact that he's always there. Like, I don't know. Like, him getting paid, he's going to end up getting paid. Like, it's going to look like he's going to be in like the top 10 ish receiver range when he gets his long term extension. People are probably, some people are probably going to freak out about that. In two years, he'll be top, you know, 17 or something like that. Like, 
will also I mean people I are gonna freak out at them. If the Colts pay him thirty five thirty million dollars a year, that would be an overpay. Because there's only yeah. one receiver making that. But this is just kind of the way the NFL works. Like you just end up with deals going up like that. Yeah, the salary cap just went up for the biggest hike in the history of the sport. So the salaries should go up. <laughs> and they're going to go up. Like this it's a cool thing that the players are the ones getting the money, honestly. That brings me to this isn't necessarily a Ballard piece, but he did kind of re- answer it. This is more like, so yesterday, um, the way things worked yesterday was that I was kind of listening in on as many general managers and coaches as possible. Uh, and people kept asking about the cap because the cap was projected to be around 242, something like that. It came in at 255. Like, what's the effect of that? And everyone's like, well, the effect is that free agency is going to be crazy. Maybe, maybe. I kind of think that maybe what's more likely is teams re-sign their own guys before they get to free agency in the next couple weeks. Because there's a bunch of teams that maybe thought like, oh, we're up against the cap. Like, we like this guy, but is it worth having to restructure deals, that kind of thing? And maybe now they don't have to restructure deals. Maybe now it's an easier way. It's easier to fit the guy's number in there. Because um, by and large, people don't want to talk about this, but it's true. By and large, the way the NFL has gone is you do not reach free agency for the most part. With There's a few exceptions every year, but you do not reach free agency for the most part unless your team has decided you're not essential to them. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, the quality of the free agent classes has been going down, 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 down. And I think that the cap going, and it's because teams are retaining their own, I think the cap shooting up the way it does makes it easier for teams to retain their own. Yeah, I mean, I wonder, though, the only thing I wonder about is, like, because I do think the teams will want, they'll be more encouraged and more able to retain their own. But at this stage, with how close free agency is to now, to this news coming out, I'm curious how many of those players are like, well, I want the open market. You know, I want to see how much is out there now that this cap went up and teams have to spend and some teams have more money than they know what to do with. Um, That's probably Depends on who you are. I mean, not a, I don't know if running backs can really do that right now. Um, but running backs I, can- I, I think about that because yeah. that's yeah, – I'll tell, tell you who loved seeing that cap number go up is Michael Pittman. They they could have say they could have set the cap at three hundred million dollars a year and the NFL would still be like we will not pay a running back more than five million. <laughs> just yeah, I, remember, uh, I remember asking Zach Moss how it felt to be a impending free agent running back and he just kind of gave a nervous laugh. It was like, uh not the best. Oh mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's a little tough out there for them, but, but yeah, it's I don't know if you're a guy like uh Kendall Fuller's going to be like one of the top corners. Do you just take a deal from the commanders now that they're like, okay, we have money, here's the deal. Or you go out there and say, how much could I actually get? And the answer to that is the answer to that is what's the dollar for you? Yeah. If you, if you go to them and they say, and you say, I want this figure. And they're like, well, we had you at this figure, but will you take like just a tiny bit less than that? And you're like, yeah. Because the, the flip side for the teams, you might be right. Team, I, I actually think that if you're an agent, you might want to get to the market because of that. But, like, 
the team's response would be like, okay, if you get to the market, like that's true, you can get paid more, but we can also go somewhere else. Yes. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It's probably it's probably just a thing for like the really top level guys to think through. Like, it's not something for like. I don't know. Like, I don't know that Kenny Moore is going to be a guy thinking that way because, you know, just because of the position he's at and the tradition in the tradition of how it gets paid is like not everyone or, or running backs, like we said, they're not going to get paid. Like, not not every position or or even like an age of a player can feel like, you know, I could just go out there and reap the benefits. But I think some guys can. Kenny, Kenny, I think can get paid. Um, because he's he's at or near the top of the slot corners, and those guys have gotten paid more than everyone's expecting now for a couple of years. Um, so I think he'll probably get paid. I think it's probably the Colts. Um, what else? What else is there? Anything else rattling around from from today? It was it was. We've been sort of warning everybody that this was not going to be a super spicy, uh, super newsy combine uh, availability. Um, I mean, I think the it last wasn't. it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought it was kind of interesting. I wrote about it how because I I just wanted to see if we get an update on Anthony Richardson's rehab and Chris Ballard. You know, he did that thing where he's like, "That's good." Like he wanted, which it wasn't a great question. It was just he he was ready to talk about that. He seemed like he wanted to kind of lay it out there. That's like we are holding him back some. Like we are being very cautious and he talked about how they learned lessons from going through this before not to bring up painful memories for fans of the other quarterback who had these shoulder issues but uh it is i i it did seem like it i don't not raise alarm bells but got them thinking when you know anthony was he's, he's been very excited to get back out there and he's talked about like you know he wanted he's ahead of schedule and he wanted to he wanted to throw before he was supposed to if he could you know, if he, if you felt right, if he could recover right. And they're like, they're taking all the time in the world just because they feel like, you know, that's, they owe it to themselves. They owe it to this commitment that they made to him to be the face of the franchise. And like, it's just, it's an interesting kind of dynamic going on right now. Cause you have like the world's most excited 21 year old quarterback who hasn't played enough football and like knows that's kind of one of the criticisms of him. And then you have a franchise that's like, gone through what they've gone through to then get the pick for and to finally find this guy they're like they've got like they've got the scars that he doesn't have and so they're trying to kind of like finding a middle ground here and um i don't know it's just going to be it, it it gets a lot of people nervous but it's also just kind of interesting to me just to see because like all by all, all indications the way they've talked about today the way that um that anthony's talked about it some of the videos he's put out like it it's all encouraging stuff. He's out there. He's throwing. He's in a throwing program. They've had this plan with after consulting a lot of doctors. Like it's been very well thought out. And he's got a lot of time now to get ready before OTAs and have a full off season. Like last season was painful, but this part could be very, very hopeful. I think fans are understandably nervous. Some I think way too doom and gloom. I joked about how like I'm tired of anyone coming back saying like none of it matters if he doesn't stay healthy. Like. Come on, guys. Let's let's cross the injury bridge when it gets here on some of this. I just think it's an interesting time for the franchise to be like launching into this kind of hopeful era where they've got all this cap space. They've got 
you know, they've got the coach they believe in. They have a team that almost went to the playoffs. Um, maybe they could add a, a high-level pass catcher at number 15. Like, there's all this hope here, but also they're, like, intentionally kind of pumping those brakes as they go because they're like, we can get too excited sometimes and, like, go off the rails here. Like, we need to – our moment could be here. We, like, we need to make sure we hit it. Well, the one, the one where he was talking about his injury – like that is directly tied to the fact that the Colts know, because the Colts know that there are a bunch of you who hear every time they say uh, something is going well with an injury that you're like, yeah, right. Remember what you said about Andrew Luck? It's a thousand percent what's going on there. Yeah. Um, but to your other point about like Ballard then pumped the brakes later on about Richardson in in more of a football standpoint of like let's not crown him a Superman yet. He's got growing pains. Obviously, that's true, um, but like that's that's the part that's that kind of gets into what you're saying there. Like it's it's more than just the injury thing. The injury thing, though. I mean, like like I said, the organization is aware uh, of how cynical the Colts fan base is when it comes to injury, with the way they talk about injuries. And so I, I don't know. I'm trying to think. It's been a while since Ballard's been like, this is just going to work out great. <laughs> on an injury, but I think yeah. I think I wasn't here. I wasn't here, but there was a lot of stuff said during the Luck shoulder in seventeen about when he was going to play, what he was dealing with, all that stuff. The calf thing. I was here for that. Uh, that went sideways so fast. Like, there's a lot of scars there, and like the the Colts know it, and they just don't want to. They don't want to open themselves up to that again. Yeah, I mean, we just kind of went through a different, very weird situation with Shaquille Leonard. You know, I remember when that first went down and he got the surgery and it was like, this is more, I mean, this is some stuff he was saying at the time, but the message was like, well, it's a precautionary surgery. And then it, it, it ended up being the thing that, that undid it all. So I don't know. I mean, I understand some people getting, I, I, I understand the, the cynicism for sure, as far as what, like their updates. Uh, but what I think is, turned out from that is it almost like it gets spun in a negative way on Anthony himself. Like he had one, he had, he's had one major injury since high school and it sucked that it happened in week four this year. Well, we've, we've talked about this before. If we, if you want to dive into the worst of the, the injury stuff that like, as soon as a player is injured one time, there's going to be some fans who think uh, this player is worthless. We had a little bit of it with the Braden yeah. Smith. Stuff. We had a little bit of it with the Braden Smith thing this year, where it was like Braden Smith misses three games, and everyone's like, "Cut him! Don't need him anymore. Need to save non-exist. Need to save space we already have." Like he was still pretty good in ten games. Like yes, oh, he, yes, he missed seven games, but he still played five hundred seventy-five snaps. Like that's kind of a lot of snaps. Like well, we had fans that, that were telling us that. Uh, <laughs> We had fans saying that Pierce Campbell can't stay on the field for even one game, and then he played 17 games. So, yeah, I just I like things to play out a little bit. Like we don't have a crystal ball here. Um, I don't even I have no idea what they're going to do in the draft, and I don't know. Like, it's the fun is to talk through it, but I'm not going to act like I know all these things before they happen either. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that jumps out from from Ballard about where they're headed today. It was not a super just wasn't a super uh, we there's there's been bigger stuff in the past with coaches and quarterbacks and like 
bigger things to, to sort of explore. We don't have that as much. The, the biggest thing today is actually something that's not really at exploration so much as it's, it's just, a, it's just a, a hard and fast Michael Pittman is going to be here one way or the other. Um, outside of that, I, I don't know that there was a ton of uh, super grabby like type stuff that you're just like, oh, I can't believe that happened or I know where they're going now. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it's it's also like just hinting at stuff. Like we, they could be aggressive in free agency, <laughs> but like we don't know where. Like someone tried to ask him what position you focused on in free agency, and he's pretty much like, "I'm not <laughs> going to answer that." That one. Uh, like, no, no offense to the no offense to the question asker. Like uh, you, your stuff doesn't always come out the way you want it to. That kind of thing. Um, he was never going to ask, is there a prime position? He was never going to answer, is there a prime position you're going after a free agency? Never. Yeah. And that's not, and that's not a Ballard thing. That's a, that is an every GM thing. Like, I don't know if any GM like came up, walked out here today or in, in the first two days of the combine and was like, I am going to take, I, I really need to add uh, defensive end in free agency. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah. To the detriment, like that's the only thing I'm gonna get. We're gonna get one. Don't care. That's just I. It just What's wasn't. interesting is I didn't get as like. I guess what I'm getting at is Balor has made mention of like he's, they can be more aggressive, flexible, whatever, because they have a quarterback and a rookie deal. I still don't have a like, firm feel of like how that's gonna yeah, play that's out, because how much of that is gonna just be re-signing the guys who are up here i mean they could yeah. spend a ton of money just getting michael pittman grover stewart kenny moore julian blackman you know taekwon lewis sack moss maybe gardner Minshew. like they could spend majority of their money just keeping the guys that they have or and they then, could decide and, they add, and then the whole ad competition piece in yours in that scenario is just through the draft yeah right. you know versus i don't know they could also not do it that way and like let you know, they, the one guy they said is back is Pittman, but they could let a lot of those other guys go and maybe find upgrades. I don't know. Or, you know, or, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't – I'm interested, though. I guess that's what I would say. It's it's going to be – it's going to be an interesting offseason. It's just hard for us to, like, map it out right now, which is kind of fun. It's different than last year. When, in the last couple of years, we're like, there will be a quarterback trader. There will be a quarterback pick. But they will draft a receiver. It's like – they're going to do things, but we don't know what those things are yet. And that's kind of fun. They may also not do things. They could not do things. They will draft people, but they might. They, when I say they may not do things, everyone knows what I'm talking about. They may not do things. They will definitely draft people. Yeah. yeah. They may not they do they, they part. I I tend to think they will. I kind of felt that way from the start, but also I've covered this team and Chris Ballard long enough, so they might not. I think they will too, and I think the thing that shifted my attention on that was uh, the contract they gave Jonathan Taylor last year after Anthony Richardson showed the sides he showed. I think that well, was – Sorry, sorry. Chris Ballard, I was saying that was a little bit foreshadowing about like this is kind of – like we're no longer waiting to believe in a quarterback anymore, and like it's time to do some stuff. Yeah, and Chris, Chris saying, uh, uh, not today, but in January, like, 
we have some flexibility on the rookie contract. That was like, I was like, okay, like that's because, because the thing is, even if he resigns all of his own people, that's not that different from what he's done in the past. He's, he's yeah. generally resigned his own people. They haven't let a ton of people just go to free agency, like clear foundational pieces. It just hasn't happened very often. That's not, that wouldn't be out of the ordinary. What would be out of the ordinary from a spending flexibility standpoint is adding more in free agency. Yeah, either several players or like one really, really big one would yeah. be different. And a Buckner Gilmore a Buckner Gilmore type move. Yeah. And I have a feeling I don't know which of those paths we'll take, but I have a feeling we'll see some of that. I don't think they'll just resign their guys. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, the rest of the combine here is going to be focused a little bit on prospects. Some 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 of the stuff you see, Nate and I write if if, if you're listening to this. Later, we're probably we might have already written some of it, but some of it is going to be Colts related. Some of it's going to be uh, Indiana related. We've got some some combine stuff. Um, we're not going to get a ton into the testing. Um, I mean, you can after this is all done, and you know what the RAS score or the RAS scores are, because <laughs> that's a pretty good predictor of who they're going to take. But I'm not going to get a ton into the testing for two reasons. Number one. Um, Number one, I think most teams kind of like have an idea of what most people are going to run. Uh, but number two, in the larger pieces, we don't talk to the players until until like we talk to the players before they've done any testing. So like, when a guy runs fast, we don't have a chance to like ask him a bunch of questions about it. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's an interesting kind of odd event, but it's indie zone, so we're here again. And they can't kill it, no matter how hard they try. Mm-mm. That's it for the Colts Cover 2 podcast from the Combine. Uh, we'll have more. Shane Steichen tentatively will speak next week. So that'll probably drive, that'll probably help drive a little bit, at least a little bit of next week's podcast. And then we're into free agency. That's the other thing about the Combine. Um, this is the signal that the NFL offseason is, is going to stop being quiet and start being a little louder. So, um, like, for instance, like, the, the, the tag deadline is 4 p.m. on March 5th. That's not that far away. It's like a week. So, like, stuff is going to start happening here. We're going to have contracts and stuff coming in. Uh, we'll be covering all of it at IndyStar.com. The Colts Cover 2 Podcast, I'm Joel A. Erickson. This has been Nate Atkins uh, coming to you from the Indiana Convention Center.